Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Christmas lights. Colourful, sparkly, depending where you are, potentially a tiny bit kitsch but generally joyful brightness to mark the beginning of the season. It's always amazing to me how Christmas lights turn a very long series of dark, cold nights into into something special, even heartwarming. There's always, uh, in any of these special places, a ceremony to switch them on. Uh, And this year, amongst the many other places that did so, number 10 also had its annual ceremony. The plan was that the Prime Minister would appear, uh, and he would appear briefly at the door. Um, He'd get filmed listening to a gathering of Christians uh, uh, singing some carols. Then he would lead the countdown. Then he would press the button, and the wonderfully adorned Christmas tree would light up. And the next day, obviously, the office could tweet out some nice montage, and perhaps even a front page or two would carry the festive scene. It'd be wonderful. While the PM emerged, he he asked the children, are you excited about Christmas? And yes, came the reply. And then he was really getting into stride. So he said, this is rather prunchy, I thought, do you think this Christmas is going to be better than the last one? Uh, Yes, they echoed with even more enthusiasm, really getting into the swing of it as well. And then he began his countdown, five, four, three, two, one, and he hit the light switch and nothing happened. Which is not quite true. The tree flickered on momentarily, strikingly, hopefully, and then sadly and reluctantly faded out. And for a moment, Christmas had faded back into the dark. Let's be honest, and I think we can say this without for a moment suggesting that we're not all going to give this a really good shot this Christmas. It does feel a bit like that, doesn't it? I don't know about you. I I can't imagine what your situation is, what range of particular variables you're having to navigate over this next week. But I guess that for most of us, the lights haven't come on in exactly the way that we would ideally like them to have done this Christmas. Or might even reasonably have expected them to a couple of weeks back. But Christmas still needs lights. And I'd like to explore the ancient Christmas story from the Bible together with a few, for a few moments with you in search of the true light of Christmas. And I want to suggest to you this evening that whatever is going on in the light bulbs of your circumstances, whether they're burning brightly, whether they're a little bit dimmer than usual, or whether, quite frankly, you feel utterly in the dark, There is light to be found. 
There is a light to be found in the Christmas message, which if we find it, if we see it right, will give us all we need, even this Christmas, and all we need not just for now, but for all time. The Bible puts it like this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And I'm praying that each one of you here in person, everyone who's joining us online tonight, would come away knowing that to be true for themselves. But I'm jumping ahead. The Bible has four accounts of Jesus' life, if you're familiar with it, four Gospels, and uh, two of them have quite a lot about what people would normally identify as the traditional nativity, Mary, Joseph, Bethlehem, angels, and so forth. One of them has actually nothing about any of that, uh, but today we're looking at the fourth gospel. It was the first reading that we had. And thank you, Gareth, for bringing it to life so wonderfully for us. It paints the events of the first Christmas on a very different and much bigger canvas. John, the author, starts his gospel like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John, the gospel writer, starts his account of Jesus with, in the beginning. By which he means not in the beginning of Jesus' life, but actually the beginning of time. He talks about how this Jesus, though he's not going to give him that name until he appears as a man, how he existed from the very beginning. He says the word, that's the name he gives him, was God. He has an eternal existence. It was somehow inseparable from that of God himself. And what's more, John says, he was essential to the process of creation. He says through him all things were made. You and I exist through him. It's an extraordinary, it's a mind-blowing start. An eternal, divine, creator's experience. That is a, a very strong start for a biography of someone's life, isn't it? But the amazing thing is, in only a couple of verses, this chapter, or this introduction, culminates in an extraordinary place. In a virgin's womb. Here's John's virgin version of the virgin birth. He says it like this. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Christmas, the birth of Christ, is about the eternal creator becoming a person and living on this earth. But what for? Why did he do this? Well, there's so much there to explore, much more than we have time for today. But I'd like to trace one theme that he picks out, and he does it to, to be the light of the world. John shows, firstly, that Jesus is no stranger to darkness. Jesus is the light in the darkness. And from those two things, I want to leave you with a challenge. This simple question. Have you seen the light? Have you seen the light? So first of all, Jesus is no stranger to darkness. John says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. Now, lights have to shine somewhere, don't they? 
and where a light shines determines its impact. We've got spotlights in, your, in our kitchen. I don't know whether you have that kind of thing. And uh, if, if one of them goes out, you lose one. It's a bit darker, but honestly, it doesn't change much. Because of the others, each individual light just shines into a basically already quite light space. But Jesus' light shines into the darkness. Jesus' life was lived in the thick of human darkness, in the midst of suffering, of sin, and shame. And it starts there for right from the beginning. He is born to an unwed virgin. Her friends, no doubt, will have gossiped their own theories about where the baby had come from. And whether it was the unmarried Joseph or whether it was from someone else, neither option would have gone down particularly well in those days. And then comes the threat of Herod's assassins. They want to kill the baby Jesus. And so Mary and Joseph have to escape to Egypt. And then once Jesus' ministry begins, he, he does so much good. He heals and he brings people back from the dead. He, he welcomes the unlikely people into God's kingdom. But he only does all of that because he comes face to face with the darkness. He meets people suffering with disease and goes to them. He sees people facing the cruelty of death. He encounters the power of evil, the cruelty of separation and division. And then eventually, of course, he's betrayed. Betrayed for 30 pieces of silver and hung on a humiliating cross to die. John goes on to say that he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Jesus was no stranger to darkness. You know, I think that matters so much for us right now. It means God knows us. And he knows us in the darker moments of life. If we had to worship a God who, who has no concept of what it means to suffer, who knows nothing of broken relationships, of destructive selfishness, who has no experience of rejection and disappointment, who, who doesn't know what it means to battle grief, that would be deflating, wouldn't it? But we're called to worship one who knows all of that. He knows all of it from close up. Strange though it may seem, God himself has walked our way. He's walked your way before. Did you know that? He is no stranger to darkness. Jesus is no stranger to darkness. But he is also the light in the darkness. He's also the light in the darkness. John's gospel says this, the light shines in the darkness. Light is a great solution, isn't it, to the problem of darkness. If, you, if you've ever stubbed your toe on the bedpost in the middle of the night, you, you need no convincing of this fact. And actually, in the same way, John's gospel says Jesus is the solution to our deepest problems. He's the, he's the answer to our very deepest needs whether it's now or in the future. And I'm talking about a lot more than the, the glow of carols by candlelight, though it's wonderful. The light of Jesus is not limited to the coziness of Christmas. It doesn't fade when the season is over or gets scuppered by some new regulations or whatever. Now, what is this light then? What is so good? Well, Jesus makes God known for a start. 
I wonder whether you ever just find that it's just hard to make sense of the world. You know, perhaps we feel that particularly right now. We feel confused. What's happening in history? How does it work? How do I fit into the bigger picture of existence? And what is the bigger picture of existence anyway? Well, to answer that question, we need God to speak to us. And he has. He's walked our planet. He's spoken to us with words that we can understand. That's one great need we have that he meets. But also Jesus came to deal with our trouble. He came to deal with our guilt and with our shame. I guess all of us, we struggle to live up to our own standards, let alone God's. We battle, don't we, with our past. We, we worry about being accepted. Well, Christ had a mission to deal with all of that, and he completed it. It's one of the great privileges of the Christian faith, is knowing that whatever we've done wrong, the slate is wiped clean if we trust in Christ. But the greatest blessings of the light of Jesus lie in the future. Jesus promises something humanly unthinkable. A new restored world. One that is no longer aching under climate change. One where pandemics and oppression and inequality and all that you might be going through right now are gone. History. And I don't know about you, but for me, this current time has underlined for me that we need that. We were made for more than this. I mean, we can explain the struggles and the, and the sadness and the sickness of this moment in natural processes. We can have discussions about how DNA works and how viruses replicate and so forth. But deep down, I think most of us, we're just not okay with that. That won't do. That's not enough. Our current darkness begs so many questions, doesn't it? And they are difficult to answer, many of them. But one thing it definitely does, it makes us long for something more. It makes it so clear to us. Something in us cries out, does it not? Tell me, this is not it, is it not? We long for better. And that longing can be fulfilled. For that we have the eternal light of Jesus. One day he's going to return and he's going to put it right. And he's going to usher in a new age in which the struggles and the failings of the present are history. Now let me say, I'm sure this is pretty obvious, faith in Christ is no quick fix. It won't undo a tricky year end of the business. It's not going to magic away the tension of a couple of difficult relationships around the Christmas table. It's not going to make us immune to sadness or indeed sickness for that matter. But in the world of uncertainty that we live in right now, in this world of constant, unpredictable change, here is a thread of certainty, a thread of hope that stretches rock solid, not just through the next week, not just through the next month, but all the way from now into eternity. Jesus is the light, the light for the darkness that you feel right now. He is the light for that. So I want to close by asking you, have you, have you seen the light? Have you seen the light? Have you come to find that Jesus is that answer? You know, he, he is, and he is for all of us. That lovely verse, I always come back to it. Verse 9 of, of the first chapter of John. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone 
was coming into the world. I don't know, you might feel like you're kind of likely religious type. You might feel utterly unlikely. You might feel way out there. You're like, yeah, whatever, he's come for those people. But you don't know where, you don't know where I've come from. No, the true light that gives light to everyone. Have you seen that light? You know, I recognize, even as I ask that question, it probably begs a whole load more questions in your, your mind. What is there even to see? Perhaps, you know, you feel quite skeptical. I mean, you love the idea of a savior, but you wonder, is this Jesus of Nazareth really real? And even if he is, is he really the one? These are fantastic questions to ask. And this church is a great place as well to ask them. And I'd love to suggest three things to you if that's really where you are this evening. Uh, number one, I'd love to invite you to our Alpha course, which is starting in the new year in January. It's a fantastic opportunity to join together with others and ask any question you'd like about the Christian faith. The second thing I'd like to suggest is that you take um, a book. Um, we've got a couple of books here, which um, I love to share with you. That green one there, uh, it's called A Very Messy Christmas. It's uh, written by a friend of mine called Jago. He's a vicar of a church in Clapham. And what's lovely about it, he wrote it during the pandemic to try to connect the reality of the message of Christmas with how we're all feeling. It's a fantastic explanation of the basics of the Christian faith. Get it, remind yourself of it, even if you know it well, or share it with a friend. Do pick those up at the door. And if you've got more uh, sort of skeptical questions, is any of this believable? I'd love to share this book, Is Christmas Unbelievable, with you too. So come to Alpha, pick up some literature. We've got some lovely tracks as well out the back that just give the, give the, the story of Christmas in simple terms. But then also come and chat. I'm going to be standing down here um, after the service. Come and speak. Come and ask your questions. Come and have someone pray with you if you've got particular needs. We'd love to get to know you and to explore some of these things further. But before I close, I'd like to leave you with one extra thought. When it's Friday and uh, BBC News is going all over the place and you're wondering what on earth you're going to say to a congregation that may or not be there <laughs> on a Sunday evening. Sometimes the Lord is very kind. I was looking at these verses in John's Gospel, and suddenly my phone went ping. And this is what came up. I got a picture from someone I haven't spoken to for about six months, completely out of the blue. And for those of you who can't see it, it says this. Dear Mum and Dad, Eddie and Arthur, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and a peaceful new year. Love from William. I think at that moment, the Lord was perhaps saying something to me and through me, perhaps to you too. That the, the, the best thing that you can be wished this Christmas is the light that shines in the darkness. Amen. We come shortly to the end of our time together. And I'd love to close before we do with a final blessing. But just before that as well, I'd like to remind you that we have an opportunity uh, to gather outside uh, mulled wine, mince pies, uh, orange juice. There is a fire pit that I can see glowing from here to keep you nice and warm. 
Um, and so I'd love you to make the most of that. Don't forget, if you'd like to chat to me, come and join me down here. There'll be others there too. But now, a final prayer. Christ, who by his incarnation gathered into one things earthly and heavenly, fill you with peace and goodwill, and make you partakers of the divine nature and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be with us and remain with us all evermore. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Bye.